Okay, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for today. We are very grateful for your help, for your hand in our lives. Uh, we thank you for a new month. Today is the 1st of November. Lord, we say thank you. This is the 11th month of the year, 2022. And all through the year, you have been faithful. You have been kind. We have seen your mighty hand in our lives. Jesus, be exalted and glorified forevermore. We ask tonight as we um, look at your word and share, dear Holy Spirit, please speak to us, teach us by yourself, um, reveal the truth to us and, and expose our hearts, you know, let us know the areas to correct, the areas to improve and what to do. Let direction come tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Let's get this down. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Hi, everybody. Happy new month. Happy, happy new month. Um, I hope we are excited about the month of November. I did send a, uh, what is it called? A newsletter, right? I sent an email out on, on so yesterday, I think, or two days ago, on Sunday, I believe, yeah. An email I stated that, I mean, depending on where you Category, what category you fall into, this, you might be excited that the year is coming to end or not so excited. Um, however, I did mention that whatever the case is, um, there's so much to be grateful to God for, all right? And um, I believe that's our posture. There's so much for us to be grateful to God for. All right, so today we are starting, not starting, we are continuing um, our conversation on finances. Um, who has been enjoying it? Let, let me hear from us. Who has enjoyed or who has been enjoying our discussion on finances um, so far? Anyone like that? Anyone, you know, being blessed, learning one or two things or, you know, having a strong reminder of some things they already know? I hope that is all of us, really. Um, so today we want to wrap up. This, will, this is likely to be the um, concluding part of the whole financial talk. To start with, we looked at financial, um, we started with wisdom, right? And then we, we we zoomed into financial wisdom. And the first thing we talked about was contentment. We talked about, um, we talked about contentment. Then we spoke about um, giving, all right? And then we had a prayer meeting after that. And then today I want us to look at financial, financial prudence. Um, if you are not on Zoom, you may not be able to see my screen, but I'm sharing my screen and I am hoping that um, this would help us and, you know, guide us through today's, today's discussion. Today's conversation, I, by the help of the Holy Ghost, I intend for it to be simple, um, but, but powerful and very, very practical, okay? So if hitherto um, the conversation hasn't been very practical, then today's one, I assure you, will be very, very practical, all right? So um, the title is Financial Prudence, like I said. And what we basically mean is um, how we how we can be faithful managers of earthly resources, all right? So, so when we talk of prudence, just being diligent or being um, watchful, being intentional about what is entrusted into your care. Okay, so financial prudence, and I want to start off with this verse with a passage of scripture uh, from Luke chapter 16, verse 12, verse 10 to verse 12. Luke chapter 16, verse 10 to 12. I have the scripture on the screen. Um, but just before I read, 
I want to give uh, just a little bit of background. So this was this, the uh, story of the unfaithful staff servant, unfaithful steward, who the master put in charge of his, his possession, his estate and all of that, but the servant wasn't faithful and the master you know, was making losses. And he got to a point where the master said, you know what, I can no longer have you as my servant, um, you're going to go. And then he did something very, very shrewd, right? He called all his master's um, debtors. So let's assume in, in today's, today's currency and today's term, let's say he called one of his master's servants that owed the master 1 million naira, called another one that owed 700,000, called another that owed 5 million, called all of them and said, okay, how much do you owe? One said, well, I owe 5 million. The servant said, okay, you know what? Come, bring the, bring the, bring the, bring the contract. He canceled it and wrote 3 million. And he basically cleared off these people's debts. And they were so, I mean, of course, they obviously they were happy. And when the master found out, surprisingly, the master commended him. And it's a very interesting parable because you would expect the master to look at the servant and say, after, after you know, making me lose money, now you are writing off people's debts. I'm going to take you to jail. But the master commended him and said, oh, you've done a very shrewd thing. And um, to understand this, what the master was commending wasn't the fact that he was writing off people's debts illegally. But what the master was commending was that the servant for once now began to understand the purpose of money, which is to help people. And that's why Jesus Christ said, um, the people of this generation in their own ways, they are more shrewd than the people of the kingdom. Meaning that the, in the, the people of the world, right, in their own, you know, in their own things and the way they handle things, although they are not, they don't handle things from a kingdom perspective, yet in their own world, they are actually more shrewd. They are wiser, to, to use the word. They are wiser than the people of the kingdom. And what, what the master was, was pointing out there, which is what I just said, was that, the master identified that this servant has finally come to realize the real purpose of money, which is to help others, okay? But uh, so that's the history behind this um, scripture. However, Jesus Christ began to give some insights um, after that parable. So we're reading Luke chapter 16, verse 10 to verse 12 from the New King James Version. It says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And I like, this is very interesting because it doesn't say that if you are faithful in, if you are not faithful in little, one day you become faithful in much or when the much comes, you become faithful. No, it says he who is faithful in what is least, if you take that same person and place the person in where um, there is abundance, he, he still will be faithful. So the quantity of what is entrusted to him or her doesn't affect the, the person's faithfulness. And if you, if you flip it, it will be the same thing. He who is unfaithful in what is least is also unfaithful in what is much, you know? And I'm, I'll just start off this way, you know, and just let, let us flow. What this means is if your salary, for instance, is, um, let's say, 100,000 naira, and you don't know how to be disciplined with money at that level, if your salary becomes 700,000 naira, 1 million naira, you know what? You will still be unfaithful and indisciplined with that money. Meaning the increase in resources doesn't improve your faithfulness. Your faithfulness is constant regardless of whether there's abundance or whether there's scarcity. And it's really the same thing. You know, people, when people talk of contentment, for some reason, 
um, we typically just address um, or we, 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 we typically target or have a mental image of people who do not have a lot of money. And so when we talk of contentment, we say, oh, you know, just be content with where you are. However, when we talk of, of greed, where we have this image of, oh, people that have so much money, they are greedy. But you know what? It plays both ways. The person who is who doesn't have so much money can be a con can still be can be content, just like the person that has so much money. At the same time, the person that doesn't have much money can be discontent, the same way the person that has so much money is discontent. And on the flip side, too, the person who doesn't have so much money can be really greedy. And it's very annoying to see um poor greedy people, right? Because you're asking, what are you now greedy with? And it's the same way also you can have rich people, people who have a lot of money, and then they are very greedy. So what my point is that the character doesn't change because of the quantity of resources. The character is always stable wherever you are. And that's why you can see Joseph from Potiphar's house. He was faithful. They took him into the prison where he was not managing so much, so much resources like before. He was not in charge of, you know, all, so many servants again like before. But even in prison, the same testimony, Joseph was still faithful. And then from prison, he became prime minister and we see the exact same thing, faithfulness. So this is just to say that if you are complaining that, oh, well, uh, the reason why I'm not able to budget, or I'm not able to stick to my budget or why I'm not disciplined is because I don't have so much money. I am assuring you, if we multiply that money times 10, you will still be indisciplined. You will still be... Um, you will still not be able to stick with a budget, all right? Uh, okay, so remember I told you guys today we're going to shake a lot of tables. So um, I'm just going to, thank God I'm not seeing your faces. So <laughs> I will just say it as it's coming to my heart. So let's continue our reading. He who is faithful in, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you, who will commit to your trust the true riches? I want to pause here because this statement till, till now, it really, really amazes me. This is Jesus Christ who is speaking. He said, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, meaning money, right? As, as quote unquote, as unrighteous as it can be, okay? Um, this quote unquote now. Um, if you have been on, if you have not been faithful in what is carnal money, what is what is common, the Bible refers it to refers to it as unrighteous mammon. Then the question Jesus is asking is, who will commit to you? Who will commit to your trust the true riches? It blows my mind. Meaning, the indicator or the qualifying factor for someone to be in possession of true riches, and true riches means heavenly riches and and things that. Um, God would bestow upon or upon us, you know, things that pertain to this to, to heavenly things, in essence. And the Bible says that, or the Bible is telling us now that if you are not faithful in your naira and kobo, in your dollars and cents, in your pounds and pence, if you are not faithful in that money, in earthly money, then nobody will entrust you with heavenly riches, or nobody entrusts you with yeah, with true riches. And it is so interesting to see how God relates our our relationship with money on earth to our influence in the kingdom in heaven. All right. And we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to highlight this uh, on the next slide, but I just really wanted to point this out. Meaning that the way you are spending money now, uh, uh, right now, the way you are spending money, 
God is looking at the way you are spending money. And the way you are spending money is going to inform how much of the kingdom he can entrust into your hand. And it's so amazing because many times we think, oh, God doesn't care how we spend money. God just cares how we go to church and um, we pray and fast. We read our Bible. That's the only thing God is bothered about. But no, God is watching the way you are spending money. The way money comes to your hand, he, he prompts you to give someone and you withhold, you go and spend it on yourself. And then he's taking note of that. Or you have, you're supposed to have, I mean, you're on a salary, let's say a hundred thousand naira salary, and you decide to go and buy a shirt of 20,000 naira. God is looking at you and say, okay, okay. Now I know that this man or this woman doesn't know how to use resources faithfully. And what the Bible is saying is that if you are not faithful in this unrighteous mammon, then who is going to entrust you or commit to your trust the true riches. So our relationship with money on earth influences our influences our responsibility in in the kingdom, and um, how we who we and determines who if God will give us true riches or not. All right. Then it goes on to say, and if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is yours? Again, a similar parallel. If you have not been faithful in what belongs to somebody else, else who is going to give you your own? And this applies in various ways. An obvious one is in uh, in our jobs. Okay, assuming you are working for a company, you don't yet run your business or you don't yet own your business. If you are not faithful in the business of another man, who will give you your own business? That's what Jesus Christ was saying. If you are not faithful in you're you're renting a house, for instance. You are not faithful in taking care of the house that you are renting, which belongs to someone else. Who will give you your own house? Um, you have access to children, for instance, and, and let's say you don't have children yet. You are not faithful in taking care of these children. Who will give you your own? And this principle applies in so many things, all right? You are serving in a ministry, and you are not faithful in that ministry. Who will give you your own ministry? So again, faithfulness is a very, very, very important factor that heaven looks at before heaven commits to our, our trust, um, true riches, all right? So I just want to highlight a few things from this verse again. Number one is that, like I said earlier, the character of faithfulness doesn't change with the, with the quantity of resources. Let me say that again. The character of faithfulness doesn't change with the quantity of resources, meaning if you someone is faithful with 5,000 Naira, the person will be faithful with 100,000 Naira. If somebody is unfaithful with 5,000 Naira, the person will be unfaithful with 100,000 Naira. All right? So the character of faithfulness doesn't change with the quantity of resources. Secondly, I said here is that, that there is a relationship between financial prudence and kingdom responsibility. It's amazing. And let me tell you this, take a look at any man of God, any senior man of God that you admire. You will find out that if you hear their story, you'll find out that at several points, God dealt with them as regards finances and they had to be faithful with money. And I'm telling you that is part of the reason why God has blessed them and increased them, right? And I'm not even speaking financially alone, but even in terms of the influence of their ministries and the number of people under them. Part of the reason why God has done that is because they have proven themselves faithful in with respect to finances. And it's just, there is a correlation that, that heaven makes between the way we manage resources and the way we manage um, influence in the kingdom. Because let me tell you this, right? From heaven's perspective, 
Um, the greatest responsibility you can have is when you can influence people, not just when you have money. If you have money, mm, yeah, thank God for that, but that's not the main thing. The main thing is the, your ability to influence people. So God is saying that if money, let's, on the scale now, um, influencing people is higher, right? So being responsible for people is higher and then being responsible for money is lower. So what God does is he first tests you with money to see your faithfulness and commitment and your, your faithfulness around money. And if you can pass the test of faithfulness around money, then God increases you and makes you responsible for people. Because from the realm of the spirit, right, from heaven's perspective, being responsible over people is greater than even being responsible over money. So what God does first is he checks your faithfulness with regards to money. Is he faithful? Does, is he obedient? Does he yield? And if you pass that test, then God increases you and makes people committed to you, puts people under your, your, your shepherdhood such that you can influence them. All right. And this is so important. There is a relationship between financial prudence and kingdom responsibility. If you look at Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 30, um, we will come back to this. We'll read the scripture later on, but it is the story of the, of the master who had um, three servants and he was traveling on a long journey. He called the three servants, gave one five talents, gave the other two talents and gave the other one talent. And um, at the end of the day, the one who had five talents and the one who had two talents, they multiplied their, their, their money. But the one with one talent didn't do anything with it. Now, when the master came back and was, was reckoning or was taking account of, for these three servants, the one that made five, um, that had five talents and multiplied it, he said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. So it is not just that the servant was good in terms of, of having a good heart, but they were also faithful. And I think many of us as believers are good. We have, we really love God. We love the kingdom. We want to see God's kingdom advance. Um, we are there to pray, vigil, fasting. We study the word, we evangelize. We are good in that sense. But you see, when the master came, there were two things he said to the servants that multiplied their money. He said, well done, good and faithful servants. So it is in the faithfulness that many of us are, miss, are lacking. It's in the faithfulness towards money that many of us are not scoring high. If it's with respect to our commitment to activities of the kingdom, oh, we rank high. We are always present in church. We are serving in church as ushers, as, as um, whatever office you're, you're serving in church. Um, we are there fasting and praying, which is great, but that is your good. There is also the aspect of being faithful and God is looking for not only good, but faithful servants as well. And he said to those two people, well done, good and faithful servants. Um, the next thing he said, permit me to read it. Let me, let me really take it out of the lips of Jesus. So I'm just going to read one verse from there, Matthew 25. And um, let me read verse. Look at what he says in verse, verse 21. His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He says, thou has been faithful over a few things. Hmm? I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So the master said, you've been faithful in few things. The few things he was referring to was money. Now he says, I will make you ruler over many things. If you read other um, gospels, right, other accounts of of this same parable, you see that he says, come and now I'll make you ruler over cities. So in other words, before the master made him a ruler, 
meaning a, a position that can influence people. The master first looked at his faithfulness over money, which he referred to as little things. So I'm telling you in the sight of God, money is a little thing to manage. The real responsibility is when you are influencing the lives of people, when you are, when you are a ruler, meaning there are people that your policies, <coughs> your words, and, and your actions will influence. And before God makes us rulers, he will test our faithfulness. So again, I'm just re reiterating the fact that faithfulness in finances is a key indicator to our spiritual influence, so our kingdom to kingdom responsibility. All right. Um, so there's a quote here. I okay, that's it. There's a quote here I I I, I took from um, a book that was written by Andrew Womack. The book is titled Financial Stewardship, and he said something that I really like here. Um, and he said a steward knows that his master wouldn't want him to go into debt and pay two or three times the actual value of something in interest. So remember what we spoke about from the beginning, how that in the kingdom, the principle of finances is stewardship. All right. And if a steward is, a steward is not the owner, a steward is a caretaker. And if you carry a steward mentality, then even the way you spend your money, what you call your money, that means your money that comes from your business or money that comes from your job, um, a salary or money that people even freely give to you, how you spend it would be different because you are spending it as a, as a steward. And so this is what he was saying here, that a steward knows that his master wouldn't want him to go into debt, paying two or three times the actual value of something in interest, meaning people that just borrow, borrow money to buy um, to buy things that are not really important, all right, things that they shouldn't be, be taking loans for. People that just go borrow money because they want to buy a new shoe or buy a new car, whereas they can actually live without taking that loan, all right? So that's going to incur interest by default. And that's what he was referring to. And then he goes on to say, stewards don't make impulse purchases. You know what? <laughs> and I, I, I mean, this is common. This is it happens to both men and women. But I think... If I'm correct, it happens a lot more to women because um, they just their women are typically more expensive, you know, to maintain. So a woman passes a, a very fine store and sees a shoe that is on sale at forty percent discount, and the forty percent discount brings the shoe down to forty-five thousand naira. This is was not in the lady's budget to buy the shoe, but the shoe looks so pretty, and she's just fine it with the fact that. Is forty percent discount by, and the discount ends by tomorrow evening. So if you don't buy it now, and there are only three sets left, so she tells herself that ah, this is forty percent discount. Wow, that means if the price increases now, it might be ninety five thousand. Let me just take advantage of this opportunity right now. And she looks and says, wow, there are only three pairs of this shoe. I need to get it fast, fast. And this is a designer that I really like. Now she's justifying her purchase with all these reasons. However, it was never in her budget to even buy a shoe that day. It had never been in her budget to buy a shoe that month. So that's an impulse spending. And that's what um, Andrew Womack was saying here, that stewards don't make impulse purchases. Um, again, by the way, it happens to men as well, not just, not just ladies, okay? So stewards don't make impulse purchases because they just can't wait to get a new toy and they don't, they don't mortgage their future to buy things on credit. One of the things that is killing a lot of people right, is taking, buying things on credit. It first starts, it first starts from the fact that you can access credit. So, and, and I mean, in Nigeria, there are a lot of, a lot of companies that give credit and 
Um, let me just put a disclaimer here that taking a loan in itself is not bad. It is why you are taking the loan that can be a that can be detrimental to your finances, all right? Um, but one thing that's killed a lot of people is taking loans to fund their lifestyle. So they take loans to for their recurring expenses, okay? And, and we're going to look at that. Recurring expenses should come from recurring income. If you can't afford it from a, if, a, if it's a recurring expense, let's say, for instance, food. If it's a, food is a recurring expense, you, you eat every day, you eat every month. If you can't afford it, afford a particular kind of food from your salary, don't take a loan to go and buy that food because it's recurring. If you can't afford, um, if you cannot afford a particular item, for instance, don't, don't go, go and take a loan for it, okay? You, you just, you mortgage your future. You will be a slave to the, um, to the lender. Okay, so that's a quote by Andrew Womack. I just thought it would be very helpful to put out there. Now, I want us to look at three relationships with money that we must master, all right? Three relationships with money that we must master. Um, but before we proceed, uh, okay, just want to be sure that we are all together and you, everyone can hear me. So please give me a thumbs up, thumbs up, sorry, if you can hear me wherever you are on Mixalar or on Zoom. And then we proceed to three relationships with money. Just let me know if you can hear me quickly on Mixalar or on Zoom. All right. Um, please let me know where you can, if you can hear me and I'll continue. Just, just drop a message in the in the comments. Okay, thank you. I see a thumbs up, Joy, on, on Mixeller. Fantastic. Okay. All right, so let's continue. Um, let us proceed. Oops, sorry. Okay, so three relationships with money we must master, all right? And this is very practical and very simple. And, and before I continue, what I want you to do, we will look at these three in depth, but just ask yourself, which one are you strong strong on and which one are you weak on, all right? Just do an honest assessment. So number one relationship is earning money. That's how to earn money. Um, what basically money coming into your hands. And I mean, when I mean earning money, I, I don't, I didn't, I don't mean um, begging for money or lobbying for money or all of that. No, I mean earning money, meaning you're doing something that people are paying you um, for, all right? You're providing value, you're providing goods and services or services that people are paying you for. So some people are really good at earning money, all right? They have, they are strong at earning money. They are, they are natural business thinkers. And one person I can think of without even hesitating is my mom. My mom has like a thousand and one business ideas that she can um she can spring up all right so there are people like that who are very good at any money that it comes naturally to them um they can just naturally they just find it easy to do a do a business or strike a deal with somebody or provide a service or something like that and then money just comes into your hands all right so they are good at any money uh so i want what i want to do is ask yourself is this your strong point is this something you need to work on and if you need to work on it that's that's fine that's not a problem um, but first and foremost, identify if where you are at on this particular relationship. The second relationship is keeping money. You see, any money is important, but if the money is going as it's coming, 
then you are really not profitable at the end. Meaning that if, for instance, your salary is a hundred thousand and you are spending all of that money, all of that hundred thousand in a week, in a month rather, then you are really not building wealth. The money is just passing through you and is going to every other person that you are spending the money on or every other thing you are spending the money on. So we, you also must learn how to keep money. And the whole idea is this, that if, for instance, someone is earning um, 200,000 and another person is earning, another person is earning 300,000, all right? Now the person earning 300,000 obviously is earning more. But if the person earning 300,000 spends the money so much that at the end of the day, the person is only able to save 20,000 Naira. But then the person that has earned 200,000 is, is um, diligent with his, with his money and he's able to save 50,000 at the end of the day, at the end of the month, all right? At the end of one year, the person that has, that the person that earns 200,000 will be richer, will be, will be richer by 600,000 because he's saving 50K every month. He'll be richer than the person that earns 300,000, all right? Because the person that earns 300,000 will probably just have 120,000 at the end of the month since all they are able to keep is one is 20,000 every month. So I mean, they'll have 120,000 at the end of the year since all they are able to save and keep is 20,000 per month. So we must learn how to keep money. That money money should enter your hand and not finish. That if if you if you do a business today and um you you get 200,000 for instance that comes into your hand, that 200,000 doesn't have to finish. You don't need to increase your lifestyle or buy something new because money just came into your hand. You, they, you must be comfortable with the money staying with you. And, and let me tell you personally, this is one of the areas that I had to work on because I just noticed, and, and this, it took me a lot of awareness. I just noticed that when money came into my hand, there was a desire to just use it. And I don't know why it was so, but I can, I can from my observation with other people, I can say this, that, if you have, if you were in a season for a long time where you didn't have so much money, if you enter a season where there is now, you know, a higher inflow of money into your hands, if you don't learn intentionally how to keep money, you'll find out that your default nature would be to use money in such a way that it will take you back to the season that you just escaped. All right. Meaning that as soon as money is coming, You'll just be prompted to spend it. You'd be uh, so many ideas on what to do with money will come to you, and you just want to be dishing it out. And all of those things will be expenses. All right. So it's something I, I personally had to learn and work on. That if I receive, let's I say I go, for, let's say I go somewhere, and somebody just looks at me and says, "Oh, Victor, I really like you." Maybe person listen to to um, one of our podcasts and say, "Oh, you blessed me. Take this fifty thousand there." I have learned to not even touch that money. That means. The, I receive the money and I will forget about it. I'll put it in my bank account or put it invested somewhere and forget that the money ever, ever entered my hand. There will be nothing that would increase in my lifestyle because more money came in. So that's something I have learned over time. It didn't happen in one day. Probably took over a year for me to master, right? But it's an important relationship you must have. You must learn how to keep money. Money cannot just be passing through your hand and not remaining, Okay. And this, of course, I'm not saying we've talked about giving, so I don't need to emphasize that, but just learning how to keep money. If, if money comes, there must be a percentage that stays. You don't need to spend everything. So we're going to look at that as well. And then the last relationship is 
multiplying money. Um, and by the way, a lot of people, I found that a lot of people are good at earning money, but not many of them are good at keeping money. And that's why you can hear stories of people who at some point in life, their business was doing very well or they, they, were, paying, they were paid very well in their jobs, but you can't see any trace of that money now. And I wonder all the money they were paying you, where, where is it right now? You can't see any trace of it. It's completely gone. And they look as though they never had any green season of their lives. It's because largely because they hadn't learned, they didn't know how to keep money. All right. But keeping money in itself is good, is a great step, but it's not itself alone is not sufficient. You must now go further to multiplying the money. All right. And this is also a skill. All of these things are, are learnable, um, let me call them skills, learnable skills. You can learn how to earn money, you can learn how to keep money, and you can learn how to multiply money. So when money comes into your hands, you keep a part of it. Yes, you have your bills, you have your expenses, that's great. But you also make sure that a percentage of it is retained. And then from that percentage, you build you build it up, to, up over some time and you are able to multiply the money. And we'll look at what multiply money entails, all right? So let's just see quickly um, what this, these three relationships mean for every one of us. All right, so number one is earning money. Um, I was going to say Jacob chapter 30. Genesis chapter 30. <laughs> All right, Genesis chapter 30. I really do hope you're learning something from this. Um, it may just be one particular thing that strikes your heart, uh, but please don't um, gloss over anything that is impressed on your heart. And also, if you have, do have questions, please keep them, um, we will keep them aside and we'll take them at the end of this. So Genesis chapter 30, verse 25 to verse 28. And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said unto Laban, send me away that I may go unto my own place and to my country. So when, when um, Rachel gave birth to, to Joseph, Jacob had this desire to just to be on his own because all this while he had been with his uncle Laban. And then, um, and he wanted to just go. He really wanted to go and be his own self. Now look at verse 20, 26. It says, Jacob continues to say, give me my wives and my children for whom I have served thee and let me go for thou knowest my service which I have done to thee. Look at verse 27. Um, and Laban said, said unto him, I pray thee, meaning I beg you, if I have found favor in thy eyes, tarry. For I have learned by experience that the Lord had blessed me for thy sake. Verse 28, and he said, appoint me thy wages and I will give you. So let me tell you what's going on here. Jacob had been working for Laban for so many years, at the very least, 14 years now, um, at the very least. So he wanted to just go and be on his own and not be working under somebody. It's like someone who is working in a company and says, I, you know, I've worked in this company for so long, I want to go and start out my business. And the boss calls this person and says, come, let's, let's talk, let's talk. And let's, the boss is not even a believer. He doesn't believe in God like you do. The boss calls this person and says, I, you know, you, you believe in God, but me, I used to do juju from my divination and my, my jasmine, my herbalist has told me that the reason why my business is flourishing is because of you. So come, don't go. Tell me how much salary you want me to pay you. I will pay you anything you say. I will pay you, but stay. And this is a very powerful story because it shows 
the not only the I, I know when we read the story of Jacob, what we think of at first is oh God just favored him, all right, or we think of the fact that um um the angel appeared to him and showed him what to do and the the, the sheep multiplied. But think about this critically that if Jacob had all the favor of God but didn't have the skill for the business, there's no way Laban's business would have increased. And that is to say that Jacob in himself was a very skillful person. And it is that skill that earned him his, his income. And it's because of that skill that Laban said, look at you, you are, you are so skillful. I know there's a spiritual side, but you, there's also the skill you have. Don't go. Anything you want me to pay you, I'll pay, I'll pay you. And when it comes to earning money, we need to learn how to do so. All right. So there are a few, there are like four things identified here that when you sum them up together, it will result to you earning money. Number one is having skill. Having a skill that is in demand, a skill that people are willing to pay for, a skill that is valuable, all right? The second thing is time, okay? Um, and in most companies, now either whether you're working for, for your own business or you're working in another company, right? The time factor is still there because it's within time that you can give expression to your skill, okay? So skill plus time. The third thing here is character. If you are going to be in, if you are going to earn money consistently for a while, then your character has to be top notch. And like most of you have already heard, your skill can get you a job, but your character is what will keep the job. Your skill can can get you a business deal, but it's your character that will retain that business relationship. So without character, meaning um, integrity, what you say is what is is the truth. Um, your your diligence with time, being on time being um, committed and all of those things. That character is what, what makes the process continuous. And lastly, your discipline. You require discipline to earn money, okay? Um, let take, take, for instance, the normal, you know, nine to five, you're working for a company. You require discipline to wake up and go to work. And even if you are working remotely, you require discipline to stay on your job and not be, let's say, browsing the internet or doing something else with your time. You require discipline to learn what you need to learn. Um, require discipline, even in your character, because people will step on your toes, your colleagues, your 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 managers at work, the people you are managing, your your um, customers in business, they will step on your toes. So you require discipline to handle such situations. All right, okay. Um, and then I said something here that very important, right? Expertise and and scarcity of talent greatly influences your earning power. What I mean is this, that the level of expertise you have in that particular, in your particular um, career, let's say you are a, uh, let's use the word, let's say you are a banker, for instance, the level of expertise you have in the banking industry would influence how much you can earn. If your, your level of expertise on a scale of one to 10 is level five, they're going to pay you the salary of a level five person. But if you are, your level of expertise is really top notch, you're on a level nine or level 10 even, then it's companies that will be hustling for you. They'll be looking for you and trying to you know, get you on board because you have your level of expertise is so high. I remember when I was doing my internship back in school, there was this guy, who, I mean, and this is true for experts basically. There was this guy who came from America from, no, I'm not sure it's America. I came from a foreign country, anyways. But but he was an expert, and we're doing a it was it was a gas plant 
that were building for a, a, a gas company, right? And I was working with the electrical team. And this guy would just come in the morning. He wouldn't spend up to one hour on site, but they paid him heavily every day. And they paid him in dollars. They didn't pay him in Naira. They paid him in dollars heavily. The reason is because his level of expertise was higher than everybody else. We had they had to fly him in from outside the country, and he's he didn't spend so much time. Maybe an hour he spent about an hour with the engineers, telling them how they should go about it, what they should watch out for, all of this, all of that. And he, he went back. If he stayed long, he did not stay up to three hours. But they paid him so much in dollars, and that is the power of being an expert. Let me encourage you, right? Whatever field you are in right now. Strive to be an expert in that field. Even if you are in business, try to be the expert in that business, okay? So number one factor is scarcity. Number two, I mentioned here, sorry, number one factor is expertise. Number two, I mentioned here is scarcity, meaning how rare your skill is, okay? So we've talked about expertise, but how rare is your skill? If, let me even use business as an example. If you are selling shirts and you are not there, and there are 10 other people sh sh selling shirts or selling the same type of shirts like you are selling, then there wouldn't be any real advantage for you to price your shirts highly because everybody's doing it. It's the same thing too. If you are a, if you are a, um, what, what role should I use? If you are a graphic designer and then there are so many people, so many other graphic designers just like you are, there might not be so much value that people would pay you for. But if you have a, a, a particular kind of skill, let's say in graphic design, that is rare to find, then you have fewer people that have that kind of skill and then companies are willing to pay you more, all right? So basically, expertise plus scarcity of your talent or the kind of talent you have is what would largely determine your earning power, all right? Okay, so let's proceed to the next one. Number two we said here is keeping money. Hmm. Um, Genesis, I, I will just, I will read this, but let, let me, you can read this on, at your own, um, in your own time, uh, but I will just reference it. Genesis chapter 41, verse 32, 32 to 36. Now, it's a very popular story. The king had a dream. He needed someone to, to interpret it. They called Joseph from the prison and Joseph gave an interpretation. He didn't only interpret the dream, but he also gave the wisdom for handling the what the dream um, was talking about. And the wisdom Joseph gave was basically to save. And in the dream, God has shown the king that they were gonna have seven years of abundance where everywhere there'll just be money, 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 abundance everywhere. People will be spending money. People will be building houses. People will be traveling abroad. People will be throwing parties. There'll just be abundance everywhere. But after those seven years, there will come seven years of famine where people would think of what they did and it will look like they are, they are, they were, they are daydreaming. And so Joseph said, the way you can handle this situation so that the whole of Egypt is not wiped out is that we should save. So Joseph said to the king, everything that comes in in the season of abundance, we should save 20% of it. And think about your finances in this way. Money that comes into your hands, how many percent are you saving? And the purpose of saving again is not, is not because we are afraid that God will not, never provide for us, or it's not because we are we are scared. I know there are people that save out of fear. No, fear should never be a motivation for saving. 
But fear is an, uh, sorry, saving is an expression of the wisdom of God to prepare for the coming seasons. When the Bible says you'll be fruitful in all seasons, you know, season in and season out will be fruitful. It is because there is a wisdom that guarantees that. It's not because seasons will not change. The Bible says as long as the earth remains, there'll be seed time, there'll be, there'll be harvest. There'll be cold, there'll be winter, there'll be day, there'll be night. So in the, in the day season, your duty is to prepare for the night. If you don't prepare for the night and night season comes, it will look as though God is unfaithful. Whereas God provided everything you needed for the night season in the day season. And that's the wisdom of saving. That seasons will change. Seasons will not always remain the same. And you need to save. You need to keep money so that you can take advantage of the next season as it comes. All right. So to, to keep money, largely what we need is discipline. And let me tell you this. Hmm. You might have to start telling yourself the very uncomfortable truth that you are not very disciplined with money. You need to know how to discipline yourself, stick to what you put on your budget, stick to what you actually need. Again, like I said, an increase in income should not translate to an increase in expenses. No, you should be able to comfortably earn, earn 50% more and not change your lifestyle by any bits. All right. Because even when you have an increase in income, it takes time for you to settle into that, that new income bracket. So if you automatically <clears throat> increase your expenses, the moment your income increases, you really don't have any savings. You don't have any savings at all. And without savings, there'll be no way you can multiply your money. So you see, if you don't do this number two, which is keeping your money, there'll be no way you can do number three, which is multiplying your money. So you need discipline. You need discipline. Some of us are shopaholics. We just love the, the smell of new clothes. You love the smell of new phones. You love the smell of new anything. You just Money comes to your hand. You just want to change it. Not because what you have is bad, but just because you, can, you think you can afford it. And this is a, a, a lie that we tell ourselves. If you are earning, if you are earning 100,000, right? You cannot afford to buy a shoe of 50,000 naira. The fact that somebody comes and buys a shoe of 50,000 naira, you are not, respectfully speaking, you are not on the same level financially. And that's where discipline must come in. If the shoe you can buy is 5,000 naira or 2,500, buy the shoe, clean it, spray it, polish it, rock it well. It doesn't add to your self-esteem or not. Until you can grow and comfortably come to a point where you can buy a shoe of 50,000 naira and it doesn't inflate or affect rather your, your budget, okay? But largely, we need discipline to keep money. The discipline to say no, I know there are friends that will come to you and say, oh, I'm selling this latest perfume. You must have the heart to tell them, ah, the perfume smells nice, but sorry, I cannot afford it. There's nothing bad in it. Someone comes and tells you, come, let's go. There's this, there's this hangout happening at the, at the beach. Let's go and have, have fun. And what's the what's the fee? Well, uh, the fee is just it's just thirty five thousand naira, and you know you cannot afford it. Tell the person, I say, ah, I would have loved to go, but I just want to use that time to read my book, eh? And person say, oh, we can read later, but say, don't don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I'm on personal retreat. You must have that courage and discipline to say no to things that you genuinely cannot afford. And let me even say at this point that the fact you have the money for it, it doesn't mean you can afford it. If all you have your bank account is 30,000 naira, you cannot afford a perfume of 30,000 naira. You cannot. 
You cannot. The person that is buying the perfume of 30,000 Naira probably has 300,000 Naira in their own bank accounts. So that's just maybe 10% of the what they have left. You are using 100%. It's not possible, okay? So we really need discipline. Discipline, I cannot emphasize this enough. Discipline, discipline, discipline. And on the path of discipline, um, that we need to talk about a budget, okay? A budget is, and I lost the way somebody put it. I don't remember where I came across this, but a budget tells tells where your tells you where your money should go, rather than you wondering where your money went. Let me take that again. A budget tells you where your money is going, rather. A budget tells you where your money is going, rather than you wondering where your money went. You know, have you ever been? I, I'm I'm sure many of us have been in this situation. But have you ever been in a situation where you thought you had money? And then ah, four days later, you just find out that the money has almost finished and you are seriously thinking of how you spent that money. It's almost as if somebody stole the money from you, but you know it wasn't stolen. It's because we didn't put a budget to it. So please let me give you an advice, right? Before money comes in, let's say money from your salary or money from your business or anything, have a budget before it comes in. Money has a spirit, has a mind of its own that if money enters your hand now and you've not budgeted for it, you'll just be surprised that you have a thousand and one ideas of what to use that money for. And if you are not careful, you'll use the money for things that are not relevant. And when the money finishes, is when you remember that there are that there were actually important things to use the money for. So please do a budget. It's a budget that will tell you what you can afford or what you can't afford. And I, I okay, there's a story here a scripture that I put here, Luke 14, verse 28 to 30. What Jesus Christ was saying in that scripture essentially was, who is who among you wants to build a tower? I will not first sit down and count the cost to see if he's able to build it or not. Least people say he started a building but cannot afford it. And it's the same thing too. We are, that's the whole budgeting principle. Who amongst you wants to buy a new phone, for instance, but will not sit down and count the cost and see if the person can actually afford this phone um, and still um, still fulfill other financial obligations in their lives. That is essentially what a budget does for you. I put a quote here, and uh, something I wrote down here says, you think you don't have enough money until you budget. And many of us, right, are thinking, ah, the money we have is not enough. My salary is too small. I agree that you, are, you might not be earning what you desire to earn, but with proper budgeting and wisdom, that money can be enough to sustain you at this level. And I remember before I got married, you know, my wife, my wife, she still tells me that um, she used to be amazed at how I would cook food. And let me be very honest with you. Then I, I could, I don't, I think I've slacked now, I confess, but then I could cook soup hmm, with 2000 Naira. I knew where to go and buy biscuit bone at a very good price. I knew the part of, I, I, I used to shop in Spa a lot then. I knew the parts of chicken that I could buy for 300 Naira from Spa. I knew the spices I needed and I could buy without you know, spending so much. And, I, I, and you could come to my house and eat a proper meal, you know? And it will be okay. It might not be the most expensive meal, but you'll be satisfied that you eat protein. And I knew that because of budgeting, like I knew how to budget my money well, so that it's enough to take care of me and do you know, the other things. And that's what many of us need right now. 
So sometimes we think we do not have money, but the reason why it feels like we do not have money, we, know we don't have enough of money, is because we have not yet budgeted. If we sit down and actually do a budget, you see that the important things you need, the money can go around, okay? Now, on the flip side, you will think you have a lot of money until you budget. So there are times where, oh, we think, ah, this money, ah, it's going to be enough. Don't worry, it's take me all through the month. And then you go ahead, you buy pizza, you buy ice cream, you go to see a movie, you go shopping with your friends. And then on the 10th of the month, you just see your salary remain 15,000 Naira. And you have three more weeks to go in the month. Then you begin to speak wisdom to yourself. But what we need to do at the beginning is just budget. So many times we think we have a lot of money until we budget and we find out that ah, the money I thought I had so much wasn't really so much, so I need to prioritize it. And that's something important that budgeting does for us. It helps us prioritize our expenses. There are a million and one things you can spend your money on, but budgeting helps you put priority to those things. So you think you don't have enough money until you budget. Also, you think you have a lot of money until you budget. So budget is an important discipline. Okay, so I'm trying to run quick, run fast because of time. Um, the last part is multiplying money. Now you have learned to earn money. You have learned to keep money. So you are not spending every money that comes to your hand. And that's fantastic. And many people typically end at saving or at, at keeping money. Um, saving money is good, but there's a factor that, it's, that, is, that is constant, which is called inflation. Inflation reduces the purchasing power of your money. And um, let me just explain what inflation means in very simple terms. So if to if I have 10,000 naira, and if you're in Nigeria, you are already experiencing this. So you might or you might have very practical first-hand examples. If last um last year, okay, um, if I let me practical example, last year, if I recall well, 25 kg of rice, 25 kg bag of rice. Um, was about 17,000. At some point, it was 15,000, but it reached 17 or 17,500, okay? So imagine if I kept 17,500 in my, in my accounts last, from last year, and I said to myself, this December, I will use that 17,500 to buy 25 kg bag of rice. And I don't do anything to that money. I just keep it in my bank account. Now, this year has come. December is next month. Right now, you cannot buy that same bag of rice for 17,500. It's about 20,000, 20, 22,000, something like that. It has increased. So even though the money in my bank account, nobody reduced it, but what the money can do has reduced. That is inflation. And so it's because of this inflation that you can't just afford to only keep money. You must find a way to multiply your money above the inflation rates. That is another explanation entirely. But um, I just, just want to explain this multiplying money. Um, Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 30, we made reference to this earlier. Again, because of time now, I, I thought I'll be able to. No, I will read it, actually. There's something I want to point out. But this is, again, the same story I talked about, the master and the servants um, that he entrusted things into his care. I want to read something to you. And the we most of us know the story that two of them, you know, did something with their money and their money multiplied. One person didn't do anything with his money. He's, he just kept the money in the bank, meaning he, just, he, he was a keeper. He knew how to keep money. But when the master came, the master said, you are a wicked man. So keeping money alone is not sufficient. That's what I'm trying to say. 
Keeping money alone is not sufficient. We must find how to multiply. So look at what his master said in, in this is Matthew chapter 25 now. Um, look at the story in verse, verse 16. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. So the guy that receives five talents, and by the way, talents here is, is, a, is money, okay? You can say $5,000 or five bags of coins, whatever it is, but it's money. So the person that received five talents, he went and did something with it. The Bible says he traded with his money. So he did a business with it. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us what business he did, but let's assume he went to the market and bought clothes and resold, or he went and bought shoes, or he did some kind of um, business, all right? But he traded with the money, and at the end of that period, he earned five more. So he got a 100% um, increase. Okay, but and same thing to the one with the sec with two talents did, but the one with one talent he didn't do it. Now this is what I want to point out to you: that you multiply money by trading or by investing it. Don't forget this: you multiply money by trading it or by investing it. So I know you've been saving, you've been saving. You are very diligent. You are disciplined. You are saving, but then we need to go a step further to multiply the money that you have saved. And there are two ways you can multiply this money. You are either trading the money, okay, however way trading, whatever shape or form trading would take, you're either trading that money or you are investing it. Trading money simply means you are doing something active with your money so that it can earn you more money. Um, and, and by that, I mean, um, for instance, the example I gave, you go to a market, you buy clothes, and then you resell the clothes. You buy clothes at 5,000 naira, you, you resell it at 6,000 naira, you are trading and you're making a profit of, of 1,000 naira. That is trading. Um, or in the in this digital age now, people trade currencies and trade um, effects and all of that. So whatever case, that is still trading. Now, investing, on the other hand, means that you just put your money in, put your money in a place or you give your money to someone who does the trading and the person gives you a percentage returns on your money. So in that case, in the case of investing, you are not actively doing anything. You're, it's your money that's actually working for you. So if you have a, let's say an investment company, we have a lot of investment companies, you put your money in, a, in an investment company and then they give you a percentage returns on that money. That is investing. Now, these are the two main ways you multiply your money. You can multiply your money by keeping it in the bank. It doesn't multiply. You multiply your money by either trading it or giving it to someone who will trade. And if you look at verse 27, look at what the master said, that to, that, to, the, to the servant who had only one, um, who had one talent and he didn't do anything with it. <clears throat> the master says, thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers. And then at my coming, I should have received my, my own with usury. Meaning I should have received my own with profit on top. So what the master was saying is that, Okay, let's assume you don't have the skill to trade. You are not interested in trading. You don't like it. At the very least, you should have put my money. You are giving my money to other people who trade or invested my money so that by the time I come, I would have received interest on top of my money. And in this case, um, you know, the context was talking about people who, who people who lend money to people on interest. All right, when they lend on interest, when and the person pays back they receive interest. So the master was saying, you should have gone to look for these kind of people. Give them my money. Let them be using to loan others so that by the time I come back, there would have been an interest on it that I would have received. 
So these are two primary ways that we multiply our income. But to multiply your income, you need knowledge and you need patience, meaning that you need to be knowledgeable, knowledgeable in, in either your trading or your invest or, or your, your investment. Sorry, it's either you are trading or you're investing. Whatever the case is, you need to be knowledgeable in it. Um, if you're going to start a business, all right, and you want to use your money, you want to trade your money, uh, meaning you want to put your money into that business, you need to be knowledgeable in that business, learn the fundamentals of that business, preferably have a mentor, um, read about it, study it, all of that. And same thing also for investing. Uh, don't just put money anywhere or put money blindly. Know where your money is going to. Know how your money will be used and learn the ropes of investing and all of those things. So you need knowledge. Number two is that you need patience. A lot of people, especially when it comes to invest, investing, all right, a lot of people make wrong investments largely because they want to make quick money. And I'm going to tell you personally, I have fall, fallen victim to it um, multiple times. And I have really learned um, the hard way. I've, I've lost good money to wrong investments. And I can tell you for one is that the game of investing is patience. And it's the same thing too with trading. You start a business, um, the first one month or first three months, it doesn't seem like you're making profits. Don't just close the business because money isn't, profit isn't coming in yet. You need to be patient with your business. So to multiply your money, you need knowledge and you need patience, okay? Now, please, ah. okay, I'm gonna run this, run through this in five minutes because our time is up. Um, just very helpful money tips. I think I have about five of them. I'm going to run through them, five or six of them. I'll run through them very quickly. Number one is, like I said earlier, seasons don't last forever. Plan, save, and invest for the coming seasons. I know that we're trusting God to always provide, and that's great. But the, so many times, the path God will take us take us through might involve a little bit of a few steps backward. And I like the way my pastor put it, that sometimes when God wants to take you to level 10, and you're on level three. Um, let's say you go from level three to level five, right? You're expecting that, oh, from level five, you go to maybe level seven. But then God takes you from level five back to level two, and you're wondering what is going on. But then from level two, he just catapults you straight to level 10. So there, there, there's no telling the path that God will take you through. But you need to apply wisdom, plan, save, and invest for the coming seasons. Secondly is you don't grow to manage well you manage well to grow. And this is exactly what we've been saying um, concerning faithful, faithfulness. You, many people think, oh, when I, when I have a lot of money, then I'll do a budget. No, start doing the budget now that you have, you, now that you think you have just a little money. And once you learn that, you, that will cause you to grow. So you don't grow to manage well. You manage well to grow. Um, thirdly, please and please and please don't make plans based on someone else's money or promise. So somebody calls you and say, ah, don't worry, I'll give you, I'll give you next, next month. Next month was December, it's Christmas. I'll give you 200,000 for, for Christmas. And you have already built a budget around the 200,000. Please don't. Wait until the money comes into your hands before you can budget it, all right? Yes, people can, can bless us and that's great, but don't make plans based on someone else's money. Or you're saying, um, oh, I have this, my friend, she's about to get a, a, a job in, in this oil and gas company. Once she gets a job in oil and gas company, I'll just call you, call, ask her for money. Then I'll travel abroad. You cannot make plans on somebody else's money. Number four is when you start off, if this is with respect to investing, right? When you start off, 
we invest in, the returns from your investments won't be able to sustain your lifestyle. Don't let greed drive you into the wrong investments. And what I mean is this, that many times when people start off investing, they're expecting their, the, the returns from their investments to be equivalent or somehow equivalent to the money they earn from their salary. So they look for any investment that will give them a very high returns. And that's why people are falling prey to MMM and all those kind of scams. Um, so please don't fall prey to it. At the initial start phase of your invest, investment or investment journey, your returns will not even look significant. Remember, patience is the game. As you con continue and you're consistent, a time will come where you have so much money in investments that your returns is able to fund your lifestyle. So please don't fall prey to, don't, don't let your in, inner greed drive you to wrong investments. Second to the last is this. Do not own things you cannot afford to maintain conveniently. So the fact that you have money for something alone is not enough. You need to check if your recurring income, there's something that is missing here. Oh, okay. All right. You need to check if your recurring income can sustain that thing you have bought. So let me give you an example. You are earning 250,000 as, as your salary, but then you have this uncle who is very rich and wealthy, and he comes to you maybe on your birthday and says, you know what? You are really, I, you are, I like you. You are my nephew. You've been so much. You are my, you are, let's assume your, your dad is later and you're just on your own. So you and your, my, your dad were a very close friend of mine. I'm going to buy you a Range Rover. Now, it's a very nice gift, though. You didn't even have to save to buy it. It's just a gift. But your 250,000 Naira salary cannot maintain a Range Rover. So it's either you sell the Range Rover and, you know, maybe invest the money or you find a way to use the Range Rover to make money or whatever the case is, but you cannot use it because you don't, your income cannot sustain that luxury of a car. So please do not own things you can't afford. And even to the little things, it's the same thing. You're trying to buy a, a, a very expensive laptop and you know that if this key part of that your laptop spoils today, it will use you spend two months salary to fix that keyboard key keyboard rather you can't genuinely afford it all right so please be, don't own things that you can't maintain conveniently and lastly important principle success answers more to consistency than it does to intensity a little drop of water makes a mighty or, or rather little drops of water makes a mighty ocean so success answers more to consistency. You are investing 5,000 naira today, 10,000 naira tomorrow. Little by little, a time will come where, wow, it's a million you already have. You are saving 1,000 naira this week, 2,000 naira this week. By the end of the year, you'll be surprised you have 600,000 already. All right, so consistency is important. All right, it's success answers more to consistency than to intensity. All right, I've kept my five minutes um, and I have a question for all of us. What other money tips have helped you? All right. Okay. So have you learned something today? I know I must have been fast at some point, but um, um, I really hope you've learned one, a thing or two. So my question, hmm. Um, okay. So this is how we're going to do it. Everybody, every single person, do me this favor. Type in the chat one money tip that has helped you so far all right something about finances that you have learned over the years that has been um helpful to you so just type that in the chat 
no matter how simple or basic it is, don't forget that there's somebody here who would learn from that, okay? So please type that in the chat wherever you are while I take questions if anybody has a question today. Anybody with any question, um, please uh, ask your question if you do have. If you're a mixer, you can also type your question as long as well as your money tip that has helped you. If you're on Zoom, you can just go ahead on mute and, and um, speak and ask your question. Please type in one money tip that has helped you. Um, Emily says, don't spend before you earn. Amazing. That's a very helpful money tip. Don't spend money before it comes into your hand. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I'm looking forward to our money tips as well as our questions. Anybody with a question? Um, any question, anyone, before we close? What is one money tip that's helped you? I haven't seen any response from us on Mixed LR yet. Please share what tips have helped you. Um, Rosemary, Nonso, I'm looking forward to reading your, your money tips. Uh, what money tip has helped you? What money tip has helped you um, over the years? Over the years, what is that money tip that has helped you? Um, Mixeller, I'm, I'm on the lookout. I haven't seen anything. Um, um, let me see. For Mixeller, I can see Joy. I can see Ene. I can see Cecil. Um, these are the only ones I can see. So please share. Let me let me, let me read out. I would love to read out your your money tips. All right. Please drop in the chat. Okay, Nonso puts um, in, in the chat here, it says, no matter how little you earn, save something. Always set aside that percent percentage before you start spending the rest. Very, very, very helpful. Thank you so much. No matter how little you earn, and that's a challenge, especially when if you're earning little at a point, you think that you're earning so little to put aside an amount. Even if it's 100 naira, you can put aside, put it aside it is a beginning to, to greater things. Thank you so much for sharing that one. So, um, okay, I have some comments on, on Mixella, all right? Um, Oil and Wine says, how does one resist friends that put some kind, on some kind of pressure on you to spend? Oh, I like that, thank you. I'm gonna answer that first. Um, I'm gonna answer that in a moment, but let me read the other comments. Joy says on Mixella, Impulse, impulsive buying is dangerous stick with your budget. I 100% agree. Impulsive buying is dangerous. Stick with your budget. And just for answer that question, there's something called disposable income, meaning just money that you can comfortably play around with and it will not affect you. Okay. So typically when we start out in life, our disposable income is very, very small. But as we grow, the our disposable income becomes larger, meaning if that money, if, it's, if we spend that money suddenly, it doesn't affect our budget for the month. It doesn't affect anything we plan to do for that month um, or for that period, all right? Uh, so don't compare your own disposable income to somebody's disposable income. Somebody can wake up today and buy a new phone without him budgeting for it and he's still financially fine. You might have to save for next four months to buy a new phone. So don't, don't try to pull a James Bond that you want to be like that person. Mm -mm. Everybody should be on their lane, all right? Okay, so we have a question here. How does one resist friends 
that puts some kind of pressure on you to spend. So what I'm going to say here, first thing is that um, what I found out is genuinely nobody can successfully put pressure on you if you do not allow it. And usually the pressure comes when we begin to admit it, all right? The pressure takes effect on, our, on the inside when we begin to admit it from the outside. So to start with, it, it, it depends on you. People can put pressure. People can even call you names. They can say you are stingy even to yourself. You are, you can't even spend this money. You are, um, you are, look at you, ah, just spend the money now. Calm down. They can say anything they want to say. You know that you, 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 you by yourself, you know what you're aiming at, all right? So do not let it take effect on your heart. So that's the first thing I'm going to say. First, guard your heart from any opinion anybody will have. I've learned so much to, to be independent of anybody's opinion. Somebody says, ah, Victor, you are still, you are still climbing bike. Ah, ah, at this level you are in. You should be taking Uber up and down. Ah, I say, ah, thank you very much. If you pay for my Uber, I, I promise you, even from my house to from my house to my neighbor's house, I'll take Uber. But if you're not paying for it, you cannot stress me. I will take what I my budget can allow me to take. So that's number one. Number two thing I'll encourage you to do is whenever pressure like that comes, keep your eyes on your goal. Let's assume you have a financial target, and please, it's important to have one. You have a financial target to save 500000 before the end of the year, all right, or in the next six months or whatever period you give yourself. Whenever pressure from the outside comes, and sometimes it might not even be people. It might just be that you walk into a shop and you look at, you see something that you have been longing for a time, for a long time. That in itself can be pressure. So remind yourself of your goal. Keep in focus your financial goal. When you achieve that goal, you'll be so happy and impressed with yourself. It gives you a sense of victory that would keep you um, going and even help you achieve higher goals, all right? So I hope that helped you. Um, okay, Oil and Wine also says, I enter some shops and I want to buy something specific. Out of nowhere, the manager of the store starts suggesting things that are high. It almost feels like saying no is falling on deaf ears. How do I manage such, <laughs> such situations? <laughs> okay, very interesting. Um, one thing for sure I can guarantee you is that the manager cannot put hands in your pocket to bring out money. Neither can the manager remove your ATM card and type in the pin. So as long as the manager cannot do it, you can enjoy the view, enjoy the sightseeing. Let the manager tell you all the beautiful things about that product. But after that, go and buy the one that your money can buy. Go and buy the one that your budget can accommodate. Again, nobody can put pressure on you if you do not allow it. All right? And you can always say, oh, I'll come back. I'll check back another time. Um, oh, maybe not now. And, and to be honest, something I, I have really learned to say is, oh, this is not in my budget at the moment. Anything you talk, oh, but okay, we can give you, we can give you at a, um, uh, we can give you um, a loan, you know, meaning just take it on credit and pay later. It is not in my budget. When it is in my budget, I won't need to take a loan. I will come and buy it and pay for it at once. All right. So please be very firm with your resolve and um, be disciplined. Okay. Thank you so much, everyone. I really do hope you were blessed. And I really hope you've learned one thing, um, at least one thing, okay? Um, thank you so much for joining us this evening or today, whatever time it is where you are. God bless you all. Do have a wonderful 
remain part of the evening. And let's close with a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful. We thank you for the wisdom for our finances. We thank you for teaching us uh, how to be faithful and diligent with the resources you have given unto us on earth. Uh, Lord, we ask for grace. Uh, if there, there, the areas where we are struggling financially, we ask you for your grace. If we are struggling to earn money, we ask that you help us. If we are struggling to keep money, we ask that you help us. If we are struggling to multiply money, oh Lord, we ask that you help us in the name of Jesus. And if there's anyone who's struggling in all three, Lord, send your help in the name of Jesus Christ. Let it be a testimony for everyone that before the end of this year, there's a significant financial increase and improvement in their lives, not only in terms of money that comes in, but even in terms of their discipline towards money and their ability to manage it. Father, we thank you. Receive the glory and praise forever and evermore in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, thank you so much, everybody. God bless you. Do 